This program is brought to you by Babaway Media, overseen by the elders of the Chipman Road Church of Christ in Lee Summit, Missouri. Hello again. We do want to welcome you back to Coffee of Zach and Russ. And uh, we thank you for joining us today. I was going to say I'm here actually today with coffee, but Jack and I were talking beforehand, and my coffee is gone. So <laughs> he's, he still has his. Uh, but we do thank you for joining us here uh, today. We hope you have enjoyed our program uh, thus far, as we talked about last week. And we're going to pick up with the same thought, looking at uh, restoring the faith. And we talked about last week some very serious concerns uh, around some things going on in our brotherhood. There's always things that are going to concern us, um, but false teaching, uh, various ideas have been going around, and and we're going to be looking at today some some ways in which we can combat that. But again, last time we talked about uh, um, how the Lord's Church is not perfect. Uh, we do have have things we need to to consider very carefully. We do have some issues going on that are creeping in, and so uh, we know there are some who kind of take a and I'll kind of ignore things and just kind of move on, move on down the line, kind of just trudge on. But we don't want to do that because we have to talk about ways in which we can face those things. And um, I wanted to bring up Titus chapter 1. There was a question that was brought up in a, in a Bible class here recently, and uh, this is a verse that I, that I mentioned. And, and in Titus chapter 1, we're going to back up to verse 10, but in Titus chapter 1, in verse 10 says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Now you notice there in verse 10 he says, There are many insubordinate, which is those who don't do not respect authority, both idle talkers and deceivers. One thing about idle talkers, I think about those who really kind of just stir things up, those who kind of go around just kind of complaining and murmuring about things that uh, just kind of unhappy people generally. Um, and he says, deceivers are those who say things which are not true. And he says, especially those of the circumcision. Now notice this, and this leads us into what we're talking about today. How do we address those things? How do we address, you know, concerns in the church uh, in, in relation to, to doctrinal matters? Um, and we know we talked about this last time, how there are some who want to just, we, we don't want to upset anyone. We don't want to make anyone mad. Like I said before, I've never prepared a sermon thinking, I hope this upsets this person. Um, but, the, you know, when, he, when we preach Bible truth, it's going to happen. And in verse 11, you know, Titus 1, he says, Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. You know, there's a lot that we can unpack there. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment because I don't want to just dominate our first part, part of this. Um, but... The thing I think about most in verse 10 is that first phrase, whose mouths must be stopped, which means it cannot be allowed to continue. Now, go ahead, Brother Zach. I'll be quiet here for a moment. Well, you know, I was thinking about several things about, you know, restoring churches and restoring uh, even individuals uh, back to the faith. You know, it's such an important thing uh, that we stay faithful that we keep people on the right track. You know, a couple of things I was thinking about, and this not necessarily dealing um, with a false teacher, but, you know, I think about Paul in Acts chapter 13, uh, there where he is confronted by uh, Eliamus or Eliamus, the sorcerer there in Acts chapter 13 and verse number eight. But something interesting that he says to this individual in verse number 10 uh, really got me thinking. He says, uh, and said, O full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy 
of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? We have to understand when someone is caught in false doctrine, when someone is teaching error, they're guilty of what Paul says right here. They are an enemy of all righteousness. They are perverting the right way of the Lord. Now, you continue reading there in Acts chapter 13, Paul would go on to uh, uh, strike this individual blind. Now, we have to understand for us today, if we pervert righteousness, if we are an enemy of righteousness, we're going to have something far worse uh, than being struck blind. Uh, we'll lose our soul if it's not taken care of. Hence, uh, why we're having this discussion. What can we do uh, to help those that we may know uh, get back on the right ways. You know, one of the one of the things that I was thinking of uh, was the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. You know, uh, it's been rightfully called uh, the true Lord's Prayer because the entirety of John chapter 17, except for maybe just the first part of verse number one, is actually a prayer of Jesus to the Father. And if you look there at verse number 20, specifically, he says, Neither pray I the, uh, for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And so we have to understand that part of this prayer that Jesus is offering is on our behalf. And within this prayer, and there's tons of things that we could talk about, uh, he's wanting the church to be to have unity. Uh, he's wanted us to be uh, of the same mind. But I think specifically about verse number 17, if I could give two things uh, that we could talk about uh, in this podcast and even podcasts in the future about how to restore the church, restore those to the faith. One of them is what Jesus is doing here, praying. Uh, one of the biggest things that we can do uh, is pray for those that are teaching error, that, that uh, have steered off course. But notice what... Jesus' prayer was in verse 17, uh, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Part of our prayer is that those that have turned from righteousness uh, return to the truth. And if we could get everyone to return to the truth, uh, we wouldn't have these issues that we're having. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I like, you know, the prayer of Jesus deals with, man, so many things. Um but I think about here, and you mentioned Acts chapter, um, was it Acts chapter 13? 13. And uh, I wrote it down, I still had to look again. But Acts chapter 13, and, you know, he mentions there, uh, in you know, Saul speaking about those who were, who were doing things which were, you know, teaching things which were not right. He says in verse 10, uh, a lot of part of verse 10, he says, Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And we think about that today. There are those who, there's always going to be those who will not listen. You know, like I mentioned before, uh, you know, there was a, a sister in Christ who told her husband they didn't listen. Um, he, she told her husband who's a preacher, you know, they didn't listen to Jesus. What makes you think they'll listen to you? Uh, and how true it is. I mean, and today that hasn't changed any at all. You know, like Saul says there in verse 10, back chapter 13, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And when you go back to, to Titus chapter 1, and, uh, you know, this the most basic thing we can do to uh, to address false teaching is to attack it with gospel preaching. Mm -hmm. And we look in Titus chapter one and verse eleven, as we read before, whose mouths must be stopped, which means we, they cannot be allowed to continue to do these things. 
But he says also in verse 11, and I'm reading from the New King James this morning. Uh, but in verse 11, he says, who subvert whole households. Subvert means here, according to Strong's, to overturn or to destroy whole households, right? Teaching things which they ought not, that's pretty understandable, for the sake of dishonest gain. Now, the, the word gain there can also mean advantage. And so they're teaching things which they ought not. They're overthrowing whole households for dishonest advantage. That's a pretty strong thing to think about. They are literally taking advantage of whole households to, to, to help them gain advantage in whatever they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's just to bring in false ideas. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard different things over the years. I haven't preached at a lot of different congregations. I've preached at a couple of them. Um, but I've had visited a lot. I have done a lot of filling preaching in different places. And, uh, you know, we hear sometimes ideas that you think, uh, are good ideas, are sound ideas, and here sometimes are things that confuse you. Um, if we are going to win people for the for the, for Christ and, and teach people the truth and have them obey the gospel, we have to realize first of all that has to be the truth, right? You know, we can teach people things that they would not disagree with. We could tell them uh, portions of things, uh, sections of scripture that are not incorrect. But if we are withholding the truth, if we're doing it, then we're, first of all, that's sinful. But also, we, the, I think the argument can be clearly made that we are doing things to try to gain an advantage. Uh, and if we bring in those, uh, if we encourage people to attend who we know have very liberal ideas, and we're not, a, and we're, we're not bringing them because we want them to try to turn from those things and turn to the truth, but because we want to use them to our own advantage, we're guilty of the same things here in verse 11, right? You're doing things uh, for the sake of dishonest advantage or dishonest gain. Um, and I said this before, well, maybe not on this podcast. I've said a lot of things before and I forget where I said them. But what we get people with is what we keep them with. And so if we're teaching the gospel and that's what gets them there, that's what's going to keep them there. But if we're doing gimmicks, if we're doing feel-good stories and sermons, and that's what keeps them there, then we're going to keep doing it. And it's, it's interesting to me sometimes how we can talk about you know, feel good stories. And sometimes I've seen people roll their eyes and say, well, we don't really, that doesn't really happen. Oh, yes, it does. I've not been on vacation, visiting places. And I've heard things from the pulpit and in the Bible class that would shock you um, because people would not disagree with what they're saying because it sounds nice, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. And uh, I'm going to stop talking again. That brother Zach <laughs> saying that he wants, you know, just adding to what you're talking about, you know, what brings people to the Lord is that what's going to keep them mm-hmm. uh, I remember years ago uh, my grandfather was a gospel preacher and he has uh, he has since went on to his reward but I remember in the the local newspaper something that he had showed me and I didn't understand maybe necessary the seriousness of this at the time but there was a Church of Christ in uh, that particular area and they were Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, the advertisement was something along this. Come join us for our Wednesday night Bible study as we will watch episodes of the Andy Griffith show. Now, <laughs> I tell you, I you know, compared to a lot of TV shows that you find today, the Andy, the Andy Griffith show is certainly wholesome compared to what we see uh, today. But by no means uh, does that show become the standard of truth. So what were they doing? It, it was an entertainment value. It, it was something to to gain numbers. You know, there was a preacher 
that said one time, and I don't remember who said it, but he said, we need to preach Jesus and the cross. And if that won't get them, then nothing that we have will. And so, you know, I think about, you know, some of these uh, individuals who have gone off into false teaching or, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I feel like a lot we've been talking about those that have gone into, into false teaching, but just anybody that has left the faith is somebody that needs to be restored. And so I don't want it to think that maybe we're we're honing in on one group of people individual. This this would be a plea for, for anybody that has left the faith. But sometimes we have to reconvert them, if that makes sense. They've left the faith because they're no longer converted. And maybe it was the case that they were never truly converted. And so sometimes you have to go back to basic principles. You, ha- you have to go back to uh, the truth. I believe it was Paul there in Acts chapter 20, uh, when he's there with the uh, Ephesian elders there in Belitus, you know, he tells them, you know, I was with you for the for this period of time, and this entire time that I was with you, I declared unto you the whole counsel of God. And so we have to uh, make sure that we give individuals the whole counsel of God. And so that means things that people want to hear, but also, you know, sometimes things that are hard to hear. And that's part of uh, battling uh, false doctrine. That's part. That's part of uh, telling people, "Hey, the life that you're living, it's going to cost you your soul, and you have to make sure that you're uh, that we're committed enough to to tell people sometimes the things that are hard." You know, think about uh, Joshua, right? Uh, there, as the book of Joshua opens, uh, Moses ha- has died, and there, Joshua, he has to step into these shoes, and three times there, I think, between verses one and nine. God tells him, you know, be strong, be of good courage, because I am with thee. And we have to remember that as we go to those that have walked away from the faith, that we need to be strong, we need to be good courage, and we need to remember that God is with us. And uh, if we stand for truth, as long as we stand for truth, uh, God is with us. And there's something else I was going to add to that, but in the midst of my talking, it gone. So I'll remember it here in a minute. You know, I think you bring up a great point about Joshua and the number of times that God tells him to be courageous. And we find several times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, I uh, mean, the wording's a little bit different, but the idea is to be courageous, to be brave, to be strong. Do not fear, you know, do not fear their face. It's another phrase that's used sometimes. Um, we cannot, you know, people are going to get upset. Like, like Zach said, they're going to get upset when we teach the truth. And again, I think sometimes when we preach a lesson that someone and it upsets people, people think, well, you know, you, um, you know, that was your goal was to upset someone or you just said these things to stir things up. And that's not the case. You know, I was, I was talking to one brother on Sunday morning and I said, well, I hope you're happy after my lesson. He was joking. He was, I don't know if he knew what I was talking about. He said, oh, is this going to be a controversial lesson? I said, it's a lesson on happiness. I hope it's not controversial. <laughs> and uh, he just kind of laughed. And I said, well, really, I hope you're happy when it's over with. Um, but, you know, there's there's no joy in telling people things that they are, are going to get upset about. But the same token, if we avoid it, if we just tell them things they're, they're going to agree with, you know, there's there's no comfort in, in lies, you know. Um, you know, I think about how many funerals I've been to over the years and and sometimes I know the person who's in there and I know that they're a good per- they're, they're they were a faithful mm-hmm. Christian. And then I know sermons, uh, funerals I've been to where the preacher 
will quote unquote preach that person into heaven. And people in there are, who know them, are, I've seen people sometimes even shake their heads as the preacher was talking about this person because they knew who he was, he or she was. Um, we hear all kinds of things. And, you know, you cannot turn a sinner into a saint when they're dead. But you also cannot turn a sinner to a saint with false teaching and with, you know, feel-good stories. And to be honest, there are feel-good stories in the Bible. I think there's, I think there's, I think it's filled with them. I think many times the problem is that our heart doesn't view it that way. You know, we read about, you know, um, Christ coming to the earth and dying on the cross, all these different things he did, and the teachings that he taught, the things he taught, our feel-good stories, if our heart is right, you know, you know, Saul hearing hearing the hearing uh, Ananias uh, after he uh, meets Christ in the road to Damascus, hearing Ananias come to him telling what he must do, that should be a feel-good story, um, you know, those types of things. But our, our heart sometimes makes us feel like it's not a feel-good story. But you know, thinking about Second um, Peter chapter one or Second Peter chapter two rather. Uh, what Peter tells us there in verse 1, but there were, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. That, and he's telling us here that it's going to happen. They're going to hear things that are false. Now, false, very simply, is it's the opposite of truth, right? And I've heard people say, well, what makes someone a false teacher? When they teach things that are false to the Word of God, and they refuse to turn from it, they have become a false teacher. Because there are sometimes those who teach things and and they don't realize what they're saying. They don't realize maybe the, the repercussions of what they're saying. And someone talks to them and they say, oh, okay, well, that's definitely not what I meant. But then you have those who teach things, for example, for over eight years. And we realize that, yeah, they're not mistaken about anything. You've heard them defend it. You've heard them promote it. Friends, that is a false teacher. And when there are those things that are matters of opinion, which means if you if you agree with that person that it's not a sin, it's not going to cause your soul to be lost. But there are those things if you fall along with them, and you and you follow after that teaching that they're that they're bringing out, it will condemn your soul, and it becomes a damnable doctrine, which means it will cause you to be lost. And he tells us there in Second Peter one, excuse me, Second Peter two rather, in verse one, that there's going to be these kinds of people around us today. Uh, he says in verse 1, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Sometimes it's secretly, sometimes it's not so secret. Uh, false teachers do not wear name tags. It'd be much easier if they did. Uh, even denying the Lord, he bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Verse 2, and many will follow their destructive ways. Because of whom? Because of who? Who is he talking about? Those who follow their destructive ways, they, call, they cause the way of truth to be blasphemed. Um, and it's sad that I have seen it, I know Zach has seen it, that when you when you defend the truth, that lately the response is you're attacking someone. Um, we have to realize that we are attacking false teaching, not attacking a person. And false teaching deserves to be attacked. Like Titus told us there, uh, you know, their mouths must be stopped. Uh, Peter tells us here in chapter 2 of Second Peter uh, that they are bringing in destructive ways. Destructive is not a positive thing. So what do you have to do? We have to deal with it. And so, go ahead, Brother Zach. You know, I guess my mind is is moving in two different ways uh, right now, two different thoughts. You know, first thing you said, you know, sometimes when we have to address false doctrine or those that have uh, wandered from the faith, uh, people want to say, oh, well, you attacked that person. 
or you're unloving. And so let me address let me address this one first, and then I'll go to this other thought that I have uh, bouncing around. So I think about that statement. Well, you don't love that person, and that's the reason that you handled that way. Well, there's nothing further from the truth. Uh, I pray that if I were to ever teach something false, that someone would bring it to my attention. Because James uh, chapter 3 and verse number 1 says that as a teacher, I have a greater condemnation or a greater judgment. I'm going to be held accountable for the words uh, that I say when I speak, and I, I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to lead someone to eternity where they're lost. But think about unloving. There's an account. Uh, in the book of Galatians, uh, Galatians, let's see here, let me get it open to the right place, Galatians chapter 2, I know you know the account, uh, but it's Galatians chapter 2, it starts there uh, in verse number 11, and we don't necessarily have to read all this, but uh, it's this account where here you have Peter, uh, he's eating with the Gentiles, uh, but when the Jews come, Peter withdraws himself uh, from the Gentiles, and Paul says that, you know, I had to withstand him uh, to the face because not only was what Peter was doing was wrong, but he led others to do what was wrong. Because in verse number 13, uh, it says that Barnabas was carried away. And so that's what uh, false doctrine can do. And now what did Paul do? Did he say, well, you know, uh, I love Peter so much that I'm just going to overlook it. No, he said, I withstood him to the face. Now think about this. Sometimes we don't, we don't think about what Paul did here. You know, Peter, thankfully, responded in a proper way. But you know, Peter could have been angry. Uh, he could have said, well, who are you, Paul, to say something to me? Don't you know that I was there with Jesus? I, I seen Jesus and I, I did all these things. And it could have caused a great division within the church because of what Paul, willing to stand for the truth, did. And so we had to understand Paul wasn't unloving when he withstood Peter to the face. He loved him enough to save his soul. And so it, it just drives me crazy when people say, oh, well, when you oppose someone that's a false teacher, or when you oppose someone uh, that's living in sin, you're unloving. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The other thing I want to talk about real quickly, because it's something I thought about earlier, and you you sparked my memory there uh, with the passage there in 2 Peter, but it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse number 1, where Paul there, he charges Timothy, he says, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the period and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now we could spend an entire podcast uh, dealing with that verse. I heard one preacher say, to sum it up this time, preach it when they want to hear it, <laughs> preach it when they don't want to hear it. But here's why. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust or, de or desire shall they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure the affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, listen, you need to preach the word, because there's the time coming where people aren't going to want to listen to sound preaching anymore. They're going to want to listen to something else, 
something that makes them feel good, as I often call them doctrines of comfort. You talk about once saved, always saved. That's not a doctrine of comfort. I don't know what is. I'm saved. I can go live whatever type of life I want to live, and then I don't have to worry about this doctrine of comfort. But Paul says you need to preach the word, preach truth, because there's going to be a time where people aren't going to stand for the truth, and they'll listen to teachers who don't stand for the truth either. And so when we stand for the truth, we have to, as Paul was to Peter, be willing to stand. And we can stand in a loving matter. Don't don't believe these individuals that say that when you stand up against something, you're unloving. Now, can you be unloving in how you do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, and I'm all over the place right now, and I'll shut up here in just a minute. Uh, but real quickly, I'll reference this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As Paul opens up that chapter, I think it's, well, I'll just turn over there so I don't have to, so I can give you the exact verse that it is. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we often know uh, this particular chapter uh, as the love chapter, but specifically, specifically verse number three. Now, he's listed a whole bunch of things that he could do, but notice what he says in verse number three, and I'll read this uh, out of the New King James. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Well, that same would be true as we're restoring individuals to the faith. It all has to be done out of love. But just because you don't perceive it as love doesn't mean that it's not done out of love. Because as you well know, the world views love differently than the way God views love. Because the world out here, not trying to open this can of worms, but the world out there views a man and a man getting together as love. That's not love, that's lust. And I'll just leave it at that. God's definition of love and man's definition of love is often different. So I can handle a situation with a false teacher or someone that's living in sin, and I can do it out of love, although someone may not perceive it out of love. But I have to know my intent, and obviously God knows it. All right, I'll yeah. turn it over to you. No, you're you're exactly right. And and I've, I remember this has been some years ago. I may have mentioned it last time as well, but uh, I repeat myself. I'm getting older, but whatever. Um, but I did a gospel meeting down in Arkansas, and um, and uh, reading went well, and uh, and the the local preacher got up, and and I don't remember what he what he said exactly, but it was pretty bold. He didn't say anything that was unscriptural, but the manner in which he said it, it was what concerned me. And so later we were talking. I said, "Do you really think that was loving?" He said. I said, I was, no, what did I say? I said, I think it was, that was pretty bold, pretty harsh, what you said. He said, well, I said it in love. I said, well, I didn't, I didn't see it. And, uh, and he kind of, and we talked about it later. At that time, him and I got along well. Uh, that's not the case anymore, but whatever. Um, but like you said here in 1 Corinthians 13, if things aren't done out of love, then really nothing else matters. And it's interesting that we can, we can refute error intended for truth, and all of a sudden we're unloving. If that's the case, Christ wasn't very loving then. I mean, you're talking about the Lord. He went into the temple and overthrew the table of the money changers. Um, someone said, well, that's not very loving. He made, you know, that was such a scene. He shouldn't have done that. Um, what was he doing? They were making, as he says there, they're making his father's house a place of merchandise, right? Um, and so he overthrows the tables. Um, but I think about also, um, I think about, and there's a lot said in Second Peter about the condemnation of, of, of uh, 
false teachers, which you can do what we can deal with another time. But I wanted us to get down to verse 18. And this is the one that really sticks with me because it talks about what really in my mind, what they what false teachers, quote unquote, have to offer. Uh, what they have to offer. Look at verse 18. Again, for the New King James says, For when they speak great swelling words of, the New King James says, emptiness. I love that phrase. And you look at that, look that up in Strong, it says, What is devoid of truth and appropriateness. If that's not the biggest slam against what false teachers have to offer, you're literally saying they, they offer you things that are devoid of truth and they're not appropriate. They offer you nothing. Uh, another uh, term to use here, or term to use here, is, is perverseness and depravity. Swelling words of what? Things you want nothing to do with. You know, it's on the same verse 18. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from, uh, from those who live in error. So you're talking about they actually appeal to those who have gone off into the world. They actually appeal, their appeal is more towards ungodly people. And what they're doing, they're addressing their words to, yes, those who are, are not Christians, but also to Christians. And by them following after their teaching, what are they doing? They're actually returning to the world. Look at verse 19. That's what he says. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves to corruption. For by whom a person over, is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. For if, for if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are now again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than in the, than the beginning. What has led them back into the world? False teaching. Okay, anything you want to add before we close out here today? There's a lot more I could say about that, and we'll, I'll conclude my mini-sermon there, but is there anything you, you want to add? You know, I would just, I would just simply say that my plea, and I'll speak for Russ for just a moment, I believe his plea too, is just simply the plea of the Bible that we want, you know, as... Uh, Paul would write to Timothy really concerning Jesus there, but he says he wants all men to come to the knowledge of truth uh, and be saved. Uh, Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that he wants all men to repent. And, you know, that is our hope that, you know, if you know someone that uh, is living in sin and dealing with those things, um, we hope to be able to say something to you that you may be able to say something to them uh, to cause them to repent, because uh, as we mentioned earlier, this is this is done out of of love. Me and Russ, uh, me and Russ go back a long time, and uh, I love him to death and appreciate the work that he does. Uh, but it's our goal to be able to encourage those uh, to stay faithful, to stay true, and really be an answer. You know, going back to kind of where we started in John chapter seventeen, uh, for Jesus praying for you and I, for us to be one, for us to be faithful, and. And we want uh, to be an answer to that prayer rather to be to be a hindrance. And so we hope that, you know, you can pray on these things and ultimately get back to the truth in all things that you do. And I agree 100% there. And like we've stated in the very beginning, the first step we have to do is to con it's really to continue to stand for the truth. If we don't do that, then we're going we're gonna to have we're gonna be no way which we can uh, conquer uh, the false things that come up uh, that we're going to face. But we're going to stop there today. We do thank you for listening. and thank you for being a part of our podcast and tuning in to Coffee with Zach and Russ. We hope you join us again next time as we continue looking at restoration of the faith. We thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
You find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.